0: You know, as, as, as we begin the message today, often we go to event, maybe last Thanksgiving, you know, last week, somebody came from way out of town to your Thanksgiving celebration, and, and you say to yourself, I can't believe he came. I mean, they, they drove all the way from Virginia to come and be with us. I know when my son Lincoln graduated from school a, a year and a half ago, uh, we, we've been, at that point, we've been moved here for 18 years from Pensacola. And some of our old cross-the-street neighbors and brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul and Polly Schrader, drove up here for Lincoln's graduation. And the first thing we said when we got in the car, stuffing out each other is, I can't believe they came. That's amazing. I mean, Lincoln was only six months old when we left. They didn't even know the cat. And they're here for his graduation. And guys, if ever there's a time of year where we ought to exclaim this, it's Christmas. I can't believe he came. I and mean, I, I, I want your mind, in my mind, to be blown today by that fact. I mean, I can't believe he should. Talk about distance. Talk about sacrifice. I, I just, I can't believe he came. And guys, that's, that's what Christmas should mean to us. It's just that that we are blown away by the fact that that we serve a God who loves us enough that He came. And that's why the key word in Christmas found in Matthew chapter 1 is the word Emmanuel, which simply means God with us. Say that with me. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a great word. Now, here's what I want to do with you a few minutes today is that word has a history. It does not stand alone in Matthew chapter 1. It has a biblical history. And the word Emmanuel, God with us, and the words God with us, is the number one promise in Scripture. And here's where it shows up. It always shows up when people are afraid. When people are facing circumstances and challenges and loss in life that they don't know how to handle, then God makes this number one promise in Scripture. Hi, guys. I'm with you. Now, let's just look at the history a little bit. Now, the exact quotation in Matthew chapter 1 is found in Isaiah uh, chapter 7. And this is happening at a time when Judah is under siege, the northern kingdom has teamed up with Syria and is coming after Judah. And God makes this incredible promise that won't find its fulfillment until Matthew chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And then a couple of chapters over is the odds look overwhelming. God says in Isaiah 8 verse 10, he's talking to these heathen nations, devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Purpose your plan, but it will not stand. Well, why not? These world powers look overwhelming, for God is with us. You think we might need to hear that today? So it shows up when people are in trouble. It first shows up in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve have sinned. God shows up. And uh, uh, this is one of the, the, the funniest questions in all the Bible. Think about this. God shows up in the Garden, Adam and Eve are hiding, and the Lord God called to man, where are you? You think God didn't know where he was? Reminds me of my grandson, George, he comes over to our house, he's two years old, and we have these curtains in the living room, and he loves to hide behind the curtains. And so he'll get back there just as quiet as he can, and there's a big bump in the curtains, and his little shoes are always sticking out, and we play this game. Where's George? Where's George? We're looking all around the house, you know, trying to find George. Looking at He always hides in the exact same place, but we always look for him. We play that game. We know where George is. And he loves it when we pull the curtain back and say, there he is. And 30 seconds later, he still thinks we don't know where he hides every time. And so he gets behind the curtain again, and we play the whole charade again. And so here's God. Adam and Eve are embarrassed. They're shameful. They've sinned. They've blown it. And God, like a father, comes into the garden. Where's Adam? Where's Eve? I'm going to find them. And God finds them. God talks to them, gives them the consequences of their sin. But there's also a a touch of grace in that story. God clothes them and covers their shame. And so God's there, even in the worst. We see it with Moses. Here's Moses, 80 years old. He's a murderer, he's been exiled 40 years, he's got a speech impediment. And God comes to Moses and says, I want you to lead my people. And Moses laughs and thinks, you've got to be kidding me. How in the world can I do this? What, what, what will I do? And here's God's answer. God says, I'll be with you. That ought to be enough. Here's the point is, whatever picture is going on in your life, whatever difficulty you're facing, challenge, insecurity, fear… If you put God in the picture, it changes everything. And so Moses becomes an amazing leader for God. And then finally when Moses dies, his successor is to be Joshua. And again, Joshua is afraid. How do you take the place of someone that great? And God says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so the promise shows up. And that's why it's so important, not just for us, this promise of Emmanuel, but this promise was so important for Joseph and Mary. We know they were afraid. Luke chapter 1, verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled. Can you imagine if you're a teenage girl and an angel shows up and tells you that you're going to have a virgin birth? She's, she's troubled. And then how about poor Joseph. When your fiancé comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. And you go, who who did it? Tell me, tell me. I can't believe you did this to me. Who is the Father? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. It's the, you, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And listen to me, guys. This rumor that Jesus is an illegitimate son plagues Mary and Joseph, their life, and actually plagues Jesus his whole life. And so God says, you know what? I know you're afraid. I know people are going to talk bad about you. I know this is going to be crazy. And a lot of people aren't going to believe this story. But I want you to know that I am with you. And then when Matthew finishes his gospel, and now he hands this commission off to us. And we're afraid thinking, how can we accomplish this? How could we do this? He closes the book, he begins with, I am with you. He closes it, I am surely, surely I'm with you, to the very end of the age. So as we see the mammoth task in front of us, how do we handle it? What makes the difference? Look at the picture. If it's just you and the trouble, you're in trouble. If it's you and God, we can make it. And that's why Christmas is so important. It's not just a sweet little time for us to to sing these nice, cute songs. It It is the time where we recognize that God is with us and that we don't face life by ourselves. Because here's what happens in Christmas. Our joys and our fears are magnified. Over the next few weeks, the things that are good about your life will seem even better. And the things that are bad about your life will seem even worse. And if any of us watch the news, we must be afraid. When you see what happened in Paris a few weeks ago, when you see what happened in California, and yes, that's a part of our country, a few weeks ago, You think none of us are safe. And that's not even talking about the troubles in your life. Maybe your fears about your job or your fears about your marriage or your fear this morning is about your health or your fears about your finances or it's about your family. I doubt any of us walk into this assembly today, though we might pretend differently, without fears. And the holidays are gonna magnify. Because it may be the first time you sit down without that loved one. Or you've been separated by some from someone that you love by death or distance or divorce. Or a child has moved on. Are your grandparents still not there? And God has the same answer and the answer is given most clearly at Christmas, I am with you. This morning, many of our members mourn. John and Wanda Wright lost their daughter this week, Michaela. Michaela was the miracle child that lived way beyond any expectation. And what do we say? John and Wanda. And what does God say? I'm with you. I didn't change it, but it changes a lot. This morning, Shane Manning is facing life without his wife, Michelle, who passed away suddenly this week. Two children, Megan and Taylor, have lost their mother. What's the only answer that's going to help? God's words. I am with you. You see, those words weren't meant To just be beautiful words on a holiday greeting card, Emmanuel. They were meant to be words spoken to you in the most difficult, fearful point in your life. They were words that give you confidence that says, you know what? I can face this. We all know this. We've had friends who come to us in our most difficult time, and they're just there. I think when I'd suffered my worst time of depression, a brother here in this church, Lee Corson, he used to just come by my office about once a week and just say, I just wanna check on you. I just wanna know how you're doing. Can we talk about it a minute? I, buddy, you're, you know what, you're not by yourself. We, 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 we've all had those people I have a great friend Any anytime I'm going through a difficult time or anytime he's going through a difficult time, the words we say to each other is, we will make this through this together. It is not that my problem is his problem or that his problem is actually my problem. They're actually very independent. But those words, it's not like, buddy, I know you're going to make it. No, the words are, we're going to make it. And my friend's, can you imagine today that that's what Almighty God is saying? We're gonna make it through this together. That gives you confidence, it gives you hope. I don't know what your problem or issue today, but the, 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 the birth of Emmanuel changes everything about it. Here's an old, old poem that no one even knows the author, and here's how it goes. That night when in the Judean skies, the mystic was dispensed its light. A blind man moved in his sleep and dreamed that he had sight. That night when the shepherds heard the song of angelic chorus near, a deaf man stirred in slumber spell and dreamed that he could hear. That night when the cattle stall slept child and mother cheek to jaw, A cripple turned his twisted limbs and dreamed that he was whole. That night when the newborn babe, the tender Mary, rose to lean, a loathsome keeper smiled in sleep, a leper smiled in sleep and dreamed that he was clean. That night when to the mother's breast the little king was held secure, a harlot slept a happy sleep and dreamed that she was pure. That night when the manger, by the full of the sanctified who had come, a man moved in sleep of death and dreamed there was no grave. My friends, please stick with me here. He came. He came. Don't miss the point. And here's the point. God pursued us. It's not that we had our lives together. It's not that we invited him. It's that he came and interrupted our history. He pursued us. That's the most mind-boggling thing about the God that we serve. And that's one of the most distinctive things about Christianity every other world religion, you seek God, you go after Him, and maybe you'll find Him, and maybe you won't find Him. There's no assurance. But Christianity says, no, 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 no. God first came after you. He pursued you. How much did He pursue you? With this crazy story that He shows up in the womb of a teenage virgin How badly did he want a relationship with us? He wanted that relationship enough to come. So God has come. And today I say to you, if you're in trouble, if you're afraid, he has come and he is coming. Now also, as we close out here, he's come. Don't forget to respond. In light of this fact, how do you respond to this? Here's what I'm begging you to do this Christmas. Don't just let this be the nice Christmas season. And expect to come to church and just hear nice Christmas sermons. I'm they're nice, okay? But I want them to be beyond nice. I want them to be shocking. I want it to be mind-blowing. Because this should be mind-blowing. He came. He pursued us. Let me ask you two questions for Christmas. Number one, are you pursuing Him? I mean, He's come after you. God's not a bully, and He's not created you as a robot. Are you pursuing Him? Have you responded to this? Will you go through Christmas like nothing happens, but gift-giving and bowl games and whatever else makes your Christmas nice? Or will you respond and pursue Him? And I ask you a second question, are you pursuing people? You see, not only does God pursue us, but he says, I'm giving you an example that y- you pursue people. God's, what Christianity is about is that, that I am to become God-like and, and that, that I pursue people the way God's pursued people. We started this year back in January with our our first message series this year was my mission. Owning the mission, about us owning God's mission. And we closed this year by reminding ourselves that the mission was most evident on Christmas. That God's the one who started the mission and now we reflect the mission. In a world, in a country where we live such independent lives where where we, we expect people to pursue us and we don't pursue people. Where we don't write the card and we don't make the visit and we don't make the phone call. I'm saying to you, if you're going to respond to this message, then over Christmas you're going to pursue some people who need you. Because sometimes what someone needs to hear is is you saying the words. I'm telling you, not only is God with you, but I'm here to be with you. So will you respond? I I love, I love this Michelangelo painting in the Sistine Chapel, show that if you would. This is called the creation of man, and and all you see there is the the famous part of it, which is the fingers. With God's finger straight out on the right and man's finger bent on the left. Now, you really don't get the whole picture there unless I showed you the whole picture, but if I showed you the whole picture, we would turn this into an R-rated sermon, okay? Isn't that amazing? But the picture, Michelangelo communicated everything we're trying to communicate today. Because if you look at the whole figure of God, God is exerting himself toward man. His body is twisted. He is moving closer and closer to man. His hand is fixed and pointed. His gaze is toward man. But if you look at the picture, man lays there in a lazy pose with his knee up, only partially extended toward God. And that's the history of man. It's God pursuing us with outreach finger. But listen to me, Michelangelo purposely left the gap between the finger of God and your finger. And the painting begs the question, will you pursue God back? Michelangelo's point was not that it's only God who creates and God who sees. God who makes the effort. We should be amazed by that. Christmas proves it. But the question that hangs in the air from an amazing portrait and picture is will our fingers close the gap? So I ask you this Christmas, will you be touched by God? Could could, could you say with me today, not just I can't believe he came, but I really can believe he came. Because if you believe this, if you believe this Christmas story, if you believe there's a God who loves you this much, who pursues you in this amazing way, how could you not respond? I think about the story I, I started with, with Paul and Polly Schrader, we, we probably really shouldn't have got in the car and said, I can't believe they came. They were not just our cross-the-street neighbors. I had the privilege of baptizing Paul. He's a retired Navy guy. They become best friends with us in many ways. They were surrogate grandparents for our children, our five and a half years in Pensacola. They were there at Lincoln's birth, they, and they have visited us about twice a year ever since we lived here I, I shouldn't have said I can't believe they came really and truly I I can believe they came that's the kind of people they are and when it comes to God here's my plea this morning believe it don't let this just this be a, a nice children's story for your children and grandchildren. Believe. I can believe. I can believe. He came. And this is a very practical message. God's saying, I know life might be tough, I know you're missing somebody. I know you're fearful. I know things are sort of crazy right now in your life and in the world. But we're going through this together. Would you stand with me? I want to read from Matthew chapter 1. I want to read the story. I want you to hear these words and then we're going to sing the song, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, beautiful song. And if today you need to close that gap between you and God, if today you are touched by this amazing, crazy story that God came after you, you know what? You've been sitting there like a lump on a log and you've not been pursuing God and you've not been pursuing people like God has taught you to. And today you need the prayers of the church. Man, what better season than as we're reminded that he came that we come to him. Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was, Joseph her husband, that's what they called engaged people then, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to Pose her to public disgrace. Expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. You couldn't get out of an engagement easy in those days. You had to divorce him. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to son." And you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. Let's sing together. You need to close that gap. Come while we're singing.